Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Today we're going through a series called Empowered. Uh, my, my topic, Come Holy Spirit, is a very uh, famous prayer. It's a, it's a prayer that you will find anywhere in the world. You go to any vineyard in the world and lots of other churches. Come Holy Spirit. This is not a unique prayer. I didn't make it up. This isn't our church's prayer. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a message that is, it's ironic that I'm teaching you this. And I'm going to share a little bit about my background because I do not have a background with this prayer. Uh, I grew up in a church that did not pray this prayer and wouldn't pray this prayer for very, very, you know, decidedly theological reasons. And I'm going to share a little bit about that. But as I was preparing this, uh, because of that and as thinking about that irony, uh, whenever I, whenever I uh, uh, teach, especially on something like the Holy Spirit, on someone like the Holy Spirit, I'm reminded of a particular day uh, it was about 20 years ago. It was my uh, graduation ceremony from seminary. And I was graduating with a Master's of Divinity degree, and all of my, my fellow classmates were there, Master's of Divinity students who were graduating and getting these degrees, and they were conferring these degrees on us. And the commencement speaker was my homiletics, the preaching pastor, uh, preaching professor from the seminary. And uh, he was, he's, he's a was and is a legend in the black church and, and, a, and a preacher just the, the if you've been into a black church and the preaching and the the, the 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 language and the word usage and just the poetic it was beautiful i still remember that day i'm so, i was just so grateful that he was my commencement speaker anyway uh he said okay so today you all are receiving these degrees master of divinity he said, let's just pause and think about that title. <laughs> I still remember the language. Do you remember this? Sarah, you were there. Yeah, you remember the language. And he said, according to the letters after your name, apparently you have mastered things divine. <laughs> and he just let that sink in, and we did the same thing. We laughed a little bit nervously, and we're like, oh, Right. We'd worked so hard for you know, at least three years, some of us longer, to get this master's degree, and I loved it, and it was valuable and all of those things. And here he was at the very end saying, oh, by the way, you have not mastered things divine. Do not be confused. And he changed one letter from mastery to mystery. And then he spoke for however long he spoke. It could have been an hour and a half. It felt like five minutes to say, life with Jesus, for us it was in ministry. It's not about mastering preaching or teaching or prayer or whatever. It's about entering into the mystery of God. And so as I teach this morning, I just want us to have that in mind, that mindset that I will be teaching you about the Holy Spirit, not because I've mastered anything but because someone has taught me about this mystery. And many of you have taught me about that, and people I've been with, not just my teachers, but people I've been with have taught me who the Holy Spirit is. And so this prayer, Come Holy Spirit, is such a powerful prayer. It's simple. It's three words. But as we're going to see, it is, it is so important and powerful. And it changed my life. Uh, not the words... You know, it's not magic, but 
as I'm going to share with you a little bit of my story, how it just changed the way I think about God, the way I think about the presence of God, the way I think about ministering to people and praying with people. And so this is, this is where we're going. A little bit about my background. Um, you see I put a question mark at the top there. That was on purpose. Uh, this is my church that I grew up in, a wonderful church in so many ways, New Wilmington Presbyterian Church, New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, about an hour north of Pittsburgh. Go Steelers. Uh, always going to get that in. Uh, wonderful church on a college campus. Both my, my, my uh, parents were both college professors, just really, really intelligent teaching, people who loved Jesus, people who are committed to Jesus, committed to the Great Commission, and we talked a lot about God the Father and His power and His omnipotence. If you know anything about Presbyterian, the Reformed tradition, we talked a lot about Jesus and partnering with Him, and He gave us the Great Commission, and we should go on the Great Commission, which is like, go and make disciples of all nations, right? But we didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was, was, was loved and, and revered and respected and mentioned, but in so much as it was, oh, the Holy Spirit helps us to do the things that God the Father has called us to and to do the things that Jesus has called us to. And apparently there's a, there's a Holy Spirit that empowers us to do those things. That was about it that I remember. Of course, there might have been more, but that's what I remember. So a friend of mine used to, used to say this as kind of tongue-in-cheek, like this kind of teaching, their, their understanding of the Trinity is this, God the Father, God the Spirit, and the big gray blur. Like, that's how we understand the, the Trinity. And so that's how I grew up. And so that has colored how I think about this prayer, come Holy Spirit. And it, it has highlighted for me just the generosity of God to bring me into a place of being able to actually teach on this a little bit. I'll tell a little bit more about my story there as we go. But I, I don't know if you know this. Uh, you may not know that there is a history of, of when this started. This prayer really started the vineyard movement. I don't know if you know that. It wasn't the prayer, obviously. It was God who did it, but it was this experience in 1980, Mother's Day 1980. This is John Wimber, the man who was sort of at the heart of the beginning of the vineyard movement. He, he served as the first director and all of those things. But it was Mother's Day 1980. John was raised in the Quaker tradition, and so and he, was, he was pastoring a church of lots of young people. It was an evening service, and he had a guest speaker come in named Lonnie Frisbee. Uh, and so Lonnie had just been coming out of or experiencing the Jesus movement, um, which was a, a movement that you know is a, a movement of the Holy Spirit, and people were being saved, and God was just on the move. And so Lonnie comes to, to speak, and he teaches that evening, and he teaches, I don't even know what he taught about, it doesn't matter. At the very end, he says, we're going to do some ministry time. Come Holy Spirit. Boom. All heaven broke loose, it says. If you read about this, you know. And you can imagine what it was. It was, it was young people were, were praying for each other. They were worshiping. Uh, from that time, they had gone out. People were getting saved by the hundreds and by the thousands, and miracles were happening. And, and the vineyard movement really got started out of this sort of charismatic beginning of this, what this prayer represents. Come Holy Spirit. And so you can go throughout the world, like I said, in any vineyard, and you'll hear some form of this. Come, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you to be here. If you receive prayer in this church up front, you'll, you'll hear some form of this. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Because this is what God used 
to start this vineyard movement. So it's an important prayer. It's only three words. Let's look at it together and what it represents. The scripture is from John chapter 14. Uh, and so it is biblical, of course. And we're, as we're walking through this empowered series of learning about the Holy Spirit, here's a, an important passage that we should all know in John chapter 14. This is near the end of Jesus' ministry. And he's with his disciples and he's talking about leaving them. Okay, so that's the context, if you can get that in your mind. Jesus says to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in, the Father. Uh, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. We're going to spend most of our time this morning just on that first verse. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He will give you to help you to be with you. Three-word prayer, three-point message. My Presbyterian friends would be going crazy right now if they were here. Three points. Just, it's, it's so beautiful. Let's start. He will give you. Someone from my background, if they were, if they were um, invited to pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit, might have a little hesitancy, like I said. Who am I to ask for the Holy Spirit to come? That, that's that's, that's a, a, a well-intentioned question. There's humility behind it. I recognize the humility. Who am I? Because in, in my background, with my, the tradition that I grew up in, uh, the sovereignty and the power of God was, was taught about, and we revered God and the depravity of man, if you know that theological phrase, like, I am a sinner, I am nothing, I don't deserve to be in the presence of God. And of course, Jesus makes us worthy to be in the presence. That was taught as well. But... I am nothing, God is everything. So who am I to ask for the Holy Spirit to come? Makes sense. Sounds pretty humble. I can respect that. As admirable as humility is, it seems that Jesus is encouraging his disciples and us to view God in this moment in a particular way and to approach him in a particular way. I'm reminded uh, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is with his disciples again, and he, and he just, this is, this is hilarious. He says, which of you fathers, and we can say mothers, parents, we can say anybody like a Jill who loves kids, just anybody who loves, loves kids, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, in other words, ask for something nourishing, good for them, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, instead. Or, which, or if he asks for an egg, another, again, it's something that's nourishing, that's, that's common, asks for an egg, we'll give him a, a scorpion. If you then, and I love this, if you then who are evil, Jesus says, and I'm sure he's smiling when he says this, if you then who are 
so limited in the way that you love your children compared to God. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And so Jesus is teaching them over and over again how to approach God. Who am I? No, it's who is God? He wants us to have this picture of God. Right? Now, you can imagine how funny this passage is right now. So if if this child is, is like, Daddy... We're assuming the child can talk and, you know, all of this. So, so Daddy, can I, can I have this really healthy fruit? It looks, it might be a mango. Is that a mango? I think it's a mango. Daddy, can I have this really healthy fruit that's good for me and I know that you, you, you want me to have this? And the dad says, no, and reaches behind and hands the child a snake. How silly is that? That's just dumb, right? It's just dumb silly. And the child says, oh, no, no, I'd like... You know, I'd like an apple instead. Ask for something else. No, here, have a scorpion. No. Okay, it's just so silly. Jesus is making this such a silly question. Can I ask the Holy Spirit to come? What a silly question. It's like a child asking a loving parent, a loving adult for something good. Of course you can loves it. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. So generous. I remember one time we were in, uh, I was leading, I was teaching at a school in, in Connecticut and um, Bible department and I went on mission trips in the summer times and took, took high school kids uh, somewhere in the world and on mission trips, usually South America, Central America and uh, uh, we were in the Dominican Republic, and we went to a church service, and they asked me to, to speak. And uh, this was a, you know, this was a, you know, conservative evangelical in all of the good ways, school, and love Jesus, love the Bible, and all that stuff. But we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit, and it was, it was an ecumenical school, and so there wasn't, it wasn't charismatic, and so, you know, you get the picture. And so I took these kids down, and these are my Bible students, right? And I take them down there, and I'm like, I'm going to go for it. We're on the mission field. We're on school right? Um, I love teaching at the school. Don't get me wrong. I didn't feel uh, limited. But I went, we went on the mission field. I'm like, I'm going to go for it. And so I teach about the kingdom of God, and, I'm, and I invite the Holy Spirit to come. And all heaven broke loose. And it's, if you've been on the mission field, it's so much easier. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but, but it's, it seems to be that God moves there, and the Holy Spirit came, and my, and my conservative evangelical students were like crying, and they were like, praying for people and putting hands on people for healing and there was a blind woman there and they were healing you know it was all of this stuff was happening and it was just so generous of god for them you know they didn't believe this stuff they, they didn't know what was happening and after the after the the service i went back with them and i processed with them and they're all just kind of sitting there like this and like what just happened and i'm like hey what happened let me just tell you what happened here the god is generous you know, God loves to give us his presence. It was really funny. I'll never forget this. After, I can't remember exactly. It might have been in the truck ride. We were in like the back of a truck. You know how it is. Third, third world countries. It's like you just throw all the kids in the back of a truck and you go. And we're in the back of the truck and one of my students, he was a junior. My, junior, my juniors, I would have them write a paper at the end of the year just like 
Basically, what do you believe about being a Christian and following Jesus, basically? What's, what's the ordinary Christian life to you? And you write, they write this paper, and it's fine, and it's biblical and all that stuff. And we go down, and we, come and, and we finish this, this service, and he looks at me. And he says, he says Mr. Mackey, because I'm the teacher, right? He says, Mr. Mackey, can I rewrite my paper? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, God is generous. So cool. I will ask the Father and he will give you. It's a no-brainer. He's generous to help you. Someone who grew up in my tradition, again, if not being humble, maybe they would say this is really kind of pretentious to tell the Holy Spirit, like, I'm going to control the Holy Spirit in this moment. Come, Holy Spirit, I want you to come right now. Right? Um, It's a little bit like when my mind went to, like, when I'm telling my dog, Dream is his name, like, Dream, come. Dream, come. You just said you wanted to go out and you're standing there not coming. Dream, come. Dream, come. Come, dream. Someone might think that's how we're talking to the Holy Spirit, right? If they just look at this prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come. And there might be some traditions that are like, kind of like, like they may not teach that explicitly, but that's what it feels like. It's like, we've got to the Holy Spirit, and we've got to bring him, tell him what to do. That's not, that's not what we're doing, okay? We're not, we're not pretentious, and we're not thinking about controlling the Holy Spirit. What we are doing is what I experienced when I started praying, come Holy Spirit. I didn't feel like an egotistical maniac telling God what to do. I felt the complete opposite. Think about this for a second with me. Is anybody familiar with this wonderful group of people? This is, this is the This Old House group, okay? And the men and women of This Old House, and I, I told my, as an aside, you, you, I'm sure you don't care, but uh, I, I told my wife, if I'm ever in a vegetative state for a long period of time, and like there's only one channel on the television that I can watch for the rest of my life, this is the show I want. I could literally watch the show every day for the rest of my life, and I would be very happy. I love them, and I love what they do, the whole thing, everything. Okay, that's just the side. Anyway, so here's what they do. There's a spinoff of the show called Ask This Old House. So this old house is the, the crew goes to an old house and spends six months there, and they renovate the house, and it becomes really beautiful. Ask This Old House is just schmoes like me who get into trouble trying to do something in their house, and they're like, what do I do? I've got to ask. I'm going to ask this old house, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask them to come and help me. And so, so the show is, you know, one of them are, goes to somewhere in the country from an email like someone like me uh, says, you know, I really tried to repair my driveway or the steps on my front yard and, or, you know, uh, my kitchen cabinet or whatever. I tried this thing and I couldn't do it. So I'm going to ask you to come because you know how to do it. Come, Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not pretentious. You're not saying, I demand that you come. You know what you're saying? I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. Lord, I need you to come and do something that I can't do on my own. In this moment, come Holy Spirit. 
Yeah. I experienced humility as I prayed this. Another illustration happens to be on the mission field again. I'm, this is, this is, this is, I'm going to have to give you an illustration that's here just so we know that God moves here. But, um, so I'm, I'm, this, was, this was with a, a mission trip on a church and with, with a church, and we were down in Honduras, and um, uh, Anna was there. And it took her a few years ago. And um, again, this was with, with, with Presbyterians, wonderful people. They were, loved Jesus and loved the mission field and um, followed Jesus and, and you know, believed in God and all of those things. And I was down on the mission field and it was a, um, an orphanage for, for, for young girls. And it had been going for 20, 25 years. And, and mommy and poppy were kind of the grandparent figures who started it. And, and it just so happened that, that we were down there for that week, and, and mommy and poppy, they love it when we come down because, because they, only, they only see us for like a week out of the year, right? And so they just hated missing it, and mommy was feeling sick. And she was feeling kind of flu-like, and she was kind of, you know, she couldn't interact with people, and she didn't come to the, to the orphanage. She was, stayed in her home. And, um, but she decided that she really wanted to come see me, and she wanted to come see the group. And, and so just one time she came, and... She, she just kind of stayed on her own, and we went in and we said hello, and she was just kind of lying there and sitting there really kind of teary because she couldn't participate in the things that week. And, and, um, and then a, a bit later, I said, hey, why don't we pray for you? You know, um, we'll see what happens. I'm not promising anything. I've prayed for plenty of people, and they stayed sick, and so I wasn't promising anything. But we, we uh, had her come, and, and her husband, Poppy, like, she was holding onto his arm and just walking very slowly, and we sat her down in a chair. It was just me and one other guy from our group, and, and, then, and then the two of them. And prayed, come Holy Spirit, come do your thing. I can't heal her. I can comfort her. I can say words of comfort. I can do all of those things, and I will. What I can't do is heal her. So long story short, my prayers shifted from trying to pray the right words, that's how I was kind of raised growing up, pray all the right words as best you can, to saying, come Holy Spirit, and then just listening, waiting, seeing what happened. So I learned to pray that way. And in this, in this instance, tongues came and you know, I wasn't praying in English so that I wasn't worried about what I was saying, which is really freeing for me. And she started speaking in Spanish because, you know, that was her language. And so it wasn't like this tongues thing. It was like she was speaking in Spanish and she's like, starts, starts talking and she starts to shake. And I'm, I go, Poppy, what's happening? And, and Poppy says, she says she feels really hot. She feels heat in her body. And, and she was talking and praying, and, and she started sitting straight up. And then at the end of the prayer, I kind of remember how long it was. It wasn't terribly long, but at the end of the prayer, my friend and I, Dave, were, were, were praying for her, and she stood up. She smiled at me. She gave me a hug. She said in Spanish, I think God healed me. From that time on, she participated in all of the activities, just perfectly, perfectly healthy. I can't do that. I could pray for her, I could comfort her, I could hug her, and I would have done all of those things. And I would have prayed for her, and I prayed for many people who didn't get healed, right? And we can do those things, and we will. But that's something that only the Holy Spirit can do. That's come Holy Spirit.
Come do the thing that only you can do. And so we see this throughout Scripture in the book of Acts, just very briefly. Acts 4.31 says, After they prayed, this is the disciples, Jesus obviously had been resurrected and he had ascended and the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And this is the very beginning of the early church, like first, first few years. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The implication is that without the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't have spoken the word of God boldly. They might have spoken the word of God, but not this way. Is that making sense? Like, that's what the, the Scripture is teaching us, is the Holy Spirit does something in us and through us that we can't do on our own. There's plenty we can do on our own, but we can't do the things that the Holy Spirit can do. Here's another one. Even Jesus, the implication. Acts 10.37, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, Luke is writing this. Beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power... And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Like, that's what Luke is teaching us. Now, that's a whole other, you know, theology about what the Holy Spirit does. Well, I'm not going to get into it. But but Luke is believing and teaching that Jesus is doing all of these things because of the Holy Spirit. Not because he was God. Again, I'm just going to throw that out there. If you want to have, you know, a discussion, we can do it. But, but Luke is teaching that the Holy Spirit was with Jesus and he was doing all of these miraculous things. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit can do. So when it comes to prayer ministry, evangelism, mission work, justice advocacy, being a good parent, being a good friend, being a good student, being a good teacher, a spouse or partner, whatever it is, this is a prayer to help us to do what we can't do on our own. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus promises us that God will send his spirit to help us. Here's the third thing. He's generous to give it to us. He is eager and able to help us. And he says, he'll be with you forever. Again, someone who might have been raised in my tradition might say, you're asking the Holy Spirit to come Are you saying that the Holy Spirit isn't there until you ask Him to come? Like, is it it like a proximity thing? Is it like a space thing? Is it like distance thing? Is it like, okay, the Holy Spirit isn't here. I'm going to say, come Holy Spirit, because you're not here, and now He's here. Is that what's happening? Is it it kind of like, isn't God always with us? Isn't the Spirit of God always with us? This is kind of like praying. They, They might say, like, hey, when you're leaving your house, hey, personality, would you come with me? Like, like, is there ever a possibility that a personality would not come with you? It's just a weird, it's just weird. Like, we don't say that. We don't think that. And so someone who, who, who understands that God is always with us might look at this prayer and think something similar. Why, why are we inviting someone to be with us who's already with us? That's just, that's, what's happening there? Great question. So let's just say we believe that God is always with us. God is with you when you are at your best, when you are at your worst, when you feel close to him, when you feel far from him. God is with you. The scripture is very clear about that. So let's just kind of lay that to the side. We believe that he is always with us. So we are not saying to an absent spirit, come be present in that moment. As we learned a moment ago, this prayer, come Holy Spirit, is not an invitation to an absent spirit to show up. Rather, 
Come, Holy Spirit, is a humble invitation to an ever-present Spirit to do what only He can do. I believe this is God's deepest desire is to be with us. Take a look at some of this language. Actually, I'm going to put it up here. I'm going to read it. But I encourage you to close your eyes because it's a lot of words. Just, this is the rest of our passage. just want you to hear, just get the feeling of what Jesus is communicating about him and his relationship with the Father and with us. This is the rest of our passage. Again, if you want to read, you can, but I'm going to read it for us and you can close your eyes. Jesus says, The world cannot accept him, the Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has these commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. You know him. He lives with you, will be in you. I will not leave you. I will come to you. You are in me. I am in you. Loves me, loved by my Father, show myself to them. You can just get a sense of the intimacy that Jesus is inviting us into in this moment. Just let those words sink in. It's an invitation from him. The illustration that I thought of, I don't know if any of you recognize this Location. Does anybody recognize? I thought I'd ask. Does anybody recognize this? Do you recognize this? What is it? Good job. So it was, it was Mount Vernon. It's Mount Vernon. It's where um, the hero of the Revolutionary War, George Washington, decided he would sp- spend the rest of his life after he was president. After he led the the revolution, and they won the war and saved the country, and he was this, this heroic figure, and he could have done anything. He could have done anything. Could have, the speaking tour, the book tour, you know, podcasts, whatever. He could have done anything he wanted to do, made a ton of money, and what did he decide to do? He decided to go be with his family. I find that to be fascinating. I want to be with you forever. How do we know this about God? The very end of the story. The end of the Bible, the end of the story, the arc of God's story in history from creation to second coming for eternity. John was given this picture, uh, this dream through a dream, 
of what that looked like. Revelation 21, 1 through 3 says, this is John speaking, Then I saw, this is in his mind's eye, a new heaven and a new earth. Think of this at the end of time. This is God's desire for all eternity. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, this is from the throne, this is a voice from the throne from the king, right? Saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. God is the hero who gets to decide how the story ends. This is his story. He can do anything he wants. He can reset things. He can restart things. He can keep things going. What does he decide to do for all eternity? He wants to be with you and me. What an amazing prayer this is. Come Holy Spirit. Just in this prayer, we see that God's lavish generosity, God's eagerness and ability to help, God's deep desire to be with us, just in this three-word prayer. It's a humble prayer that's dependent on God's generosity, who recognizes and is confident in His desire to help. and trusts that God wants to be with us forever because He loves us so much. What a great little prayer. Come Holy Spirit.